Welcome to Behind the Tour, the podcast from American Christian Tours that goes behind the scenes of the most iconic sites, historic characters, and true stories in American history to discover how God has been at work since the very beginning. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the very first official episode of Behind the Tour. Uh, Aaron Kronk Woo-hoo. here, coffee in hand with my co-host, Corey Hockaday. Hey, (laughs) and Krista Wenzel. Hi. And I am overjoyed that you've chosen to spend some time with us today. Amen. I hope (laughs) everyone has a cup of coffee in hand. I remember some of my, you already have. Yeah. Yeah. I have multiple times and have another one. But I remember some of my favorite times on tour is just being able to see one or, one or both of you two and just grabbing a cup of coffee over by the National Archives. One time we got to in a blizzard in Boston. Epic. So fun. <laughs> well, and I'm sure we have our own, I'm sure we know where, where all the Starbucks are and even the little Ma and Pa shops mm-hmm. uh, just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. I do love the little Ma and Pa shops. There's one in Alexandria, Virginia that we go to that is just absolutely epic. It's so cute down there. And oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact, I've met both of you at that particular spot. So <laughs> it sure is fun. We, we have shared some, uh, some beans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that were finally roasted. Yes, and sometimes we spilled the beans and enjoyed them. <laughs> spilled the tea and, and drank the beans. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and uh, so where where was one of your favorite spots, you guys, uh, to get coffee? Do you ever have any idea? I, I got one. I can think of Peregrine in... Uh, you talk about that place often, so uh, carry on. Yep, Washington, D.C. <laughs> and it, there's two of them, but it's a Ma and Pa place. Mm-hmm and uh, privately owned and just some tremendous tremendous coffee in my opinion Hmm. that's awesome Mm -hmm. i think my favorite just because it was such a surprise to have it there after so many years um at the at the capitol building if you go into the visitor center they have Mm -hmm. that big a lot of our people who've gone with us on tour and you know if you've ever been to the visitor center they have a big restaurant and they finally took one of the 10 sections and made it for coffee oh my gosh I remember I think I fell on the ground weeping the day that I saw it because at the Capitol for some reason you just want a good cup of coffee oh they had it and I think it's Pete's too Uh uh-huh yep nope which Corey, you like Pete's I'm a big fan yes I'm also a big fan of the Museum of the Bible Coffee. Oh, I, yes. Just yes. like the ambiance and like the atmosphere. And it's just a nice place to get and away. the and name of it Bible. is so cute like, too, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Milk and honey. So cute. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. milk and honey. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, guys. Let's, uh, why don't we move into our first segment here. Uh, Krista, why don't you tell our listeners about this first segment that we're going to do? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it kind of ties into what we were just talking about. It's our coffee corner and colonial colloquialisms. Um, <laughs> if I had to pick three of my favorite activities in the world, it would be traveling, coffee, and learning. And so with this segment, we're going to kind of bring those worlds together. And Corey is going to actually be speaking today about a colonial colloquialism or in you know in modern phrases, I guess, um, a saying that we say today that actually has its roots in colonial times. And so, Corey, this is so fun because you are actually going to be talking about one I've never even heard the, I haven't even heard about. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what are you going to talk about today? Well, oh, and yeah. before she does that, I actually want to hear her say the uh, coffee corner <laughs> colonial colloquialisms. 
Okay, yeah, this is the third person to say it. Welcome uh-huh. to Coffee Corner and Colonial Colloquialism. That's We're three good. for All three right, right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, so this is a fun one. I'm like a self-acclaimed word nerd, so I just get really excited learning the roots of words. But I picked this up from the print shop in Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg. And he was telling us about like when, so the printer, in order to get the freshest news, he would have to get the news from the tavern because that's the place that all the news coming and going would come from. So you'd have like writers and carriages and just out of towners coming and spending the night. So we'll, we'll probably talk more about colloquialisms that come from tavern life, but so they would come and like eat and drink and chat and sleep and just share the news. So the printer, in order to pick up all this um, new news would send down his apprentices or, you know, the whippersnappers and he'd toss them a few coins and he'd sell them to go down to the tavern to go sip for a while, you know, just sit in a corner and sip really slowly and listen to all the things that people are talking about and then come back and we'll put it all in the newspaper the next day or whatever. So that, that like command or that, that imperative go sip for a while turned into the word that we know today as Gossip. Gossip. What? <laughs> I love that so much. Isn't that fun? It's awesome. So, I love that. Yeah, I feel I like, Corey, one. you would have been really good at being one of those people to sit in the oh, corner and slowly slip, sit sure. and listen to everything going around. I think that I was one of those people that was told to go sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have been the one giving the command, yep. go find out and then I'll write all about it and talk about it. That yeah. feels like a Or you'd be the one bringing news from afar. You would be that person. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's what we do with these stories a lot of times is don't, it's so fun to actually put yourself into the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's fun even about this show is so many times people talk about history and it's from so far away, but to actually put yourself in the moment of mm-hmm. what would, you know, what would that have actually been like to be like one of those little 14, 15 year olds to be like, okay, like just sitting here <laughs> listening yeah. and reporting back. Yeah, I, just, and- I think that that's so well, in, in context is so important, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, we live in this day and an age uh, that we'd, sometimes it's hard to think about how people actually lived in times past. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, our little coffee corner colonial colloquialisms are going to help <laughs> enter you into <laughs> maybe a little different era in mindset. And uh, I think we've got plenty to choose from, don't we? Oh, oh yeah. You know it. Yes. <laughs> This next segment is called Behind the Constitution. It's a segment on uh, each episode when we dig into the who's, what's, where's, why's, and wherefores of our nation's founding document. Krista, why don't you establish for us uh, what the Constitution is and in under a minute. The Constitution is the actual document that formed America's government. And so within there, you're going to find in each of the first three articles are three branches of government, the legislative, which would be Congress, our executive, which would be the presidency, and then the judicial, which is our Supreme Court, as we call it today. So when you hear the terms constitutional amendment, what that simply means is a change to our constitution. Um, it takes a lot of work to actually get it changed. I believe that there have been over 12,000 proposed amendments to our constitution. And there are actually only, does anyone, Aaron or, or Corey, do you remember how many amendments we have? Uh, 27. 
27, you got it. So and <laughs> even within that, the first 10 are very, we're all very familiar with, they're called our Bill of Rights. So that is when we're talking about the Constitution. 1787 is when our Constitution was formed, and we're going to be digging into quite a bit of that and um, the really the history behind it. So hopefully that was under a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was close enough, Krista. <laughs> So today in Behind the Constitution, you guys, uh, I just want to talk briefly about, and, and I think we all can have a little dialogue here uh, about John Adams. Uh, and mm -hmm. during during his presidency in October of 1798, uh, and I'm talking about our second president, John Adams, he made this statement in his letter to the Massachusetts militia. And he this was kind of an admonishment for them uh, in uh, having them think about their loyalty. He said this, we have no government armed with power, capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. What do you guys think about that last portion there? Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern that of any other. I'm trying to find that quote. I can't remember the source, but um, where it says, talks about like, you're either governed from without or you're governed from without. Thomas Jefferson. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Look at that. They were kind of good friends. I think they knew each other. They knew they? what was going on. If if you're not held to a higher standard outside a piece of paper and a bunch of guys, you know, then who are you held accountable to other than our creator? Well, and we think about, Corey, yeah, just even the concept of self-government, uh, which, you know, mm -hmm. we have, we live in a representative form of government. So we have the privilege mm -hmm. uh, and the opportunity to vote for those who would govern us. But even before that, I think this might be a little of what John Adams was alluding to is that, uh, our constitution was is, is a, an amazing document, but it's only going to work for people that are able to govern themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, when you look at um, even what's going on today, you know, within the context of that quote, our constitution was made only for moral and religious people. I feel like, and you guys maybe, um, you know, have seen the same, and maybe our listeners have noticed that a lot of people are trying to really um, take down the importance of the Constitution. And I feel like as a nation, we have been rolling further and further away from morality and religion or, you know, and in the context of what, uh, you know, our founding fathers and John Adams was talking about at this point, religion really was within the framework of Christianity. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there were other people with different different religions, you know, as we yeah. say it today, living in our nation, but that religion were, you know, people of the book. What book were they talking about? The Bible. And so I think that, you know, when you look at this, only for moral and religious people, it makes me wonder today how many people have sat down and read our constitution and why, you know, and brings up that question, why are people so opposed to it? What is so offensive in there? And I think that even getting into our next segment, we'll be digging pretty deep into our mm -hmm. constitution, um, why people don't like it, and really kind of moving forward into, um, you know, what is behind it that is so offensive that people well, and what was the, What was the original and, intent to? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. that. 
That's good. Corey, any thoughts? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I just keep thinking like it's almost like he's implying, he's implying that, um, yes, the constitution is great, but it's not the highest law of the land. The word of God itself is the highest law of the land. And so, I mean, studies have been done and have proved that what is it? 80, like 84% of the quotations from the founding period and of documents, not just dudes chatting in their Twitter feeds, but like actual documents, um, have come straight from the word or they're quoting people who are quoting the word. So like it's, it's so infused into that worldview that um, unless you come from a biblical worldview, the constitution isn't, it's not meaningless because it has power, but it doesn't um, make the sense that it should. Exactly. Yes. Well, and I think Corey, what you were talking about is there was that 10 year study that was done in the 1970s where they took over 12,000, of the original quotes. And from that, they found, I believe it was right around 3,100 direct quotes from the founding fathers um, from a 30 year span in the 1770s all the way up into 1800. And of those, it was 34% of direct quotes were from the Bible. And of those 3,100 total, 94% were actually talking about the Bible in some context, you know, if they were quoting someone who was quoting the Bible. And so Mm -hmm. really when, you know, again, as we get into this next segment and as we get into what we're going to be talking about, the biblical worldview is so important to America only for the sense that it was important to the founding of America. And Mm -hmm. so why is that important to us today? You know, almost 300 years later, we're digging into that. I think, I think that that's what we're getting to the bottom of, you know, so many people, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Let's go on this journey together and find out why. Yeah. Really good, Krista. Well, Hey, we're going to take a quick break uh, to hear from our sponsor, but uh, we'll be right back after that. Let's dig into the mailbag and hear from a person who just got back from a trip with American Christian tours. Chris says, this far exceeded our expectations, which are high. Both adults and students had a wonderful trip to Washington, D.C., and came away with a deep understanding and gratitude for our nation and its founders. I highly recommend Acts to everyone. Thanks, Chris. Welcome back. We're glad that you're hanging in there with us, and... uh, Corey, uh, I've got a question for you. When, when, when you're on tour, um, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're guiding a tour, whether it's adults or kids, most of the time it's kids, but uh, where, mm-hmm. where is one of your favorite places to stand in front of um, personally and to talk about? Well, that's a great question. Wherever I'm standing, I always tell my group, like, this is my favorite. This is my favorite place. And they'll figure it out usually like day or two or three. And they're like, I think you've said this before. Yeah, no kidding. Every time. <laughs> but I will say Thomas Jefferson's memorial, I, I always get excited to talk. There's just, it just, it lends itself to so many good discussions. People usually have so many questions or misunderstandings about TJ. And so, and anytime I can bring up, macaroni and cheese and ice cream is a good day so <laughs> jefferson's well well in that uh, about you? what about me yeah well i would have to say that uh, I, I love standing at the abraham lincoln memorial and that mm-hmm. is one of my favorite memorials uh, physically to be at and then also 
probably because Abraham Lincoln, I've studied his life in just an amazing man, and I could stand there for hours and talk about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, but, you know, oftentimes we only have a few minutes. So, you know, Abraham Lincoln um, is certainly one of, one of my most favorite uh, people to talk about because of his faith um, and because of the time mm -hmm. that he lived and uh, the people that he influenced and was influenced by. Krista, well, we, since, <laughs> since we're kind of going around, <laughs> and uh, I love that coffee mug sure. you have, by the way. That's just a, that is a wonderful Thank mug. You. Thank you. It's from, it's from Innsbruck, Austria. Corey has, Corey also has one. Mm -hmm. That's for another story on another. <laughs> we'll day. talk about coffee yeah. mugs. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, my favorite place to stand, always the Capitol building. Uh, there's just something just magnificent about it, just in its structure. Uh, it's one of the most iconic buildings in the world. If you ask anyone, you know, in any of the corner of the globe they actually know what that building is so i like it for that but also just what goes on there on um, the legislation and i love bringing groups up there to talk about government and talking about you know how you know we all have an understanding of what laws are but realizing where they come from and talking about how they're made is just really just one of my favorite moments on each tour when we get to talk about that because when you're standing at the spot where the laws are being made it just i think it's such an impactful moment so and not to mention it's just fun being up there and all of a sudden you know being you know everyone has to like clear the area because there's a presidential motorcade coming mm -hmm. through you know there's always <laughs> something going on up there so it's just always fun i like it it's my favorite <laughs> it's good well and we all share that same passion for um for teaching and uh for education mm -hmm. uh, because what what god has done um uh, in america is truly extraordinary that leads right into our next segment, our main segment today, which is what, Aaron? Well, last week we asked the question, what famous constitutional quote is not actually found in the Constitution, the Declaration, or any of the amendments? Uh, and that just happens to be the, uh, the title for our main segment today is the separation of church and state. What? That's not found uh, in our Constitution? I think so. Nope. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might be thinking, but doesn't the First Amendment actually say something about religion? Uh, and yes, in fact, it does. The First Amendment of the Constitution states that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or uh, the right of people to peaceably assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Well, it's that first portion, you guys, uh, that um, we need to focus on momentarily here. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. And the second part of that's really, really important, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And you know what? Uh, to understand what the founding fathers actually meant uh, by the concept of, of, and I say concept, of the separation of church and state, uh, we have to look at a little history of Europe, uh, because they didn't mean for us to push God and Jesus out of the public square uh, or out of the domain of government. Um, they simply meant that government and the church would not join together to oppress the people, as they had done historically. Um, 
they, they were, our founders were really against the establishment of a theological hierarchy. And what that is, is again, they were against the divine right of kings uh, to rule, um, as had been historically taught by the Church of England um, and the Catholic Church and even other uh, religious organizations of the time. Uh, because far too often, you guys, the church was controlled by the king, or the king was controlled by the church. In all cases, uh, or in both of, the, of those cases, uh, it was to the detriment of the common people. So to misinterpret the Constitution, as many people have done in our present time, is kind of a radical departure from its true meaning. Well, just uh, briefly, you guys, conveniently left out, uh, again, is that last little portion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Uh, doesn't say freedom from religion. It says freedom of religious expression. Uh, and when you deny people um, the right to talk about God, Jesus, the Bible, uh, even wearing a cross, uh, or even to pray, uh, you're going against everything the founders stood for uh, in denying their right uh, to free exercise of their religious beliefs. So this, uh, you guys, runs counter uh, to everything I believe that the founders uh, believed and fought for. Well, and Aaron, couldn't you almost say in a way that they wrote that with the intent that the church should be free of government and not the government free mm -hmm. from you know, the church, essentially, exactly. like we've almost flipped it upside down. Yeah, exactly. That the mm -hmm. that the the church should should not have to be uh, live in fear of what the government is going to do to them. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. that that uh, that separation in that sense is is a very important one. Yeah. So we've kind of lost the context of of the time period. So like, where where did that quote? Did you even did you say where that quote came from? Like came from a personal letter from Thomas Jefferson during his presidency. And so, um, again, this is one thing that often comes up while I'm standing at the Thomas Jefferson Memorial, because um, it's such a famous quotation taken completely out of context. Um, there'd been a letter from the Danbury Baptists who wrote to the president who were extraordinarily concerned that this new federal government would be overreaching its bounds and oppressing and you know, kind of reverting to the way it had run previous to the revolution. Um, and Jefferson wrote back um, to assure these Baptists that no worries, um, there was gonna be a wall to keep the government out of the affairs of the church and not the other way around. Like we just heard from John Adams quote, like they knew that it was essential for our new nation that religion be a part of everything that's done within our citizenry. Um, so, and, and Jefferson, you know, greater context for Jefferson, he was a Virginian, you know, his whole life. And um, before the revolution, if you guys have been on tour and you've been to Williamsburg, you might remember like standing, maybe your teachers left you on purpose or not on purpose, <laughs> <laughs> in the stocks and pillories where like your your head and your hands or your feet are locked away. And we, you know, it's fun. It's a fantastic photo op. You really, you really should come check it out. Um, but that was a place that they would put people who didn't come to church for this allotted amount of time that the government, you know, said, you got to come to church this many times a month, or we're going to put, you're going to find you, or we're going to put you in the stocks and pillories. You have to pay your tithe to the church, AKA the King. And, um, or we're going to put you in the stocks and the pillories. So, um, they had grown pretty tired of that sort of treatment from an oppression from the government 
functioning as the church. Um, and so Jefferson was very adamant that that, that shouldn't be. And one of his most, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the thing he wants to be remembered for, like his greatest achievement, he thought, one of his three greatest achievements of his life, he deemed, was his writing, his authorship of the Statute for Religious Freedom for the, for the state of Virginia. Um, which pretty much is where we got our First Amendment from. We just copied and pasted it. He even, Corey, he but even it wanted that on his gravestone, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's a, so if you visit his house, Monticello, you'll you'll see the three things he wanted to be remembered for as author of, Decla- of the Declaration of Independence, the father of the University of Virginia, and the author for the Statute of, of Religious Freedom for the state of Virginia. So he was super concerned. He said, you know, if you impose religion on people, you're, you're not, it's, it's a false religion, um, but it also just leads to that, that tyranny. Um, so anyways, that greater context, and like you said, it's so well, Krista, like we've, we've turned it completely on its head. It's not about keeping government it's not about the church staying out of government like we Christians tend to think or the government tends to think it's it's the opposite it's to keep government out of the church's business well and two Corey don't you think it's interesting that he wrote that and what was it I think it was January 1st 1802 fact you can fact check me on that one yeah but he wrote in 1802 and when he said that that very weekend he went to the largest church building in all of Washington DC which happened to be the Capitol building. I mean, to this day, within the Capitol, you have scriptures everywhere. There's still a chapel. Um, It's it's pretty magnificent when you look at going. I don't think, you know, from that famous movie, I think you keep using a word. You don't, you're not using it right. (laughs) You know, kind of the quote of God. I think they keep saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that there's some of this going on that people keep using this phrase, and it's like I don't mm-hmm. think you're saying it what they meant to have it be said as. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting to look and go. He said that in 1802, mm-hmm. literally 15 years after our Constitution was even written. I mean, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. what is it? 12 years after the Bill of Rights, when that phrase, you know, that the government shouldn't, you know, be coming into, you know, freedom of religion, you know, mm-hmm. all these things going on. Uh, this was quite a bit after the fact. And so I think it's interesting. Part of what is so great about going behind the tour and what we're doing today is discovering the true intention, like you said, Aaron, the original intent. And so um, that's just kind of my my takeaway on of going, you know, you stand at the Capitol where so many people talk about separation of church and state and, oh my goodness, this shouldn't go on and going, yeah, if you were here 150 years ago, you'd have a problem with it because we'd be just adjourning from church yeah. service <laughs> at that point. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, in, in that context, yeah. too, and to kind of wrap up here, Krista, the Bible more than the Constitution is the founding document. Both are important, mm-hmm. but the Constitution actually comes mm-hmm. from uh, God's Word, um, and the founding fathers actually were faithful uh, to, uh, to God's Word. Absolutely. Well, and it'll be fun next week to see, maybe we'll pull out exact scripture verses within the Constitution. Maybe that would be fun to kind of look and go, you know, we're not just saying these things, but actually finding the scriptures within the Constitution would be fun. And the quote that, that I have from John Jay, who was our first uh, Supreme Court justice, is this. He says, Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers. And it is the duty as well mm-hmm. as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. 
national prosperity can neither be obtained nor preserved without the favor of providence. Well, that was awesome, you guys. Well, each episode of Behind the Tour, uh, we want to leave uh, leave our audience with a story. Um, and we'd like you to take courage uh, and to be inspired from the lives of the men and women who have gone before us, uh, who are here for such a time as this. And we want to highlight those individuals who are so dedicated uh, to doing what was right, um, that like Queen Esther, they said, if I perish, I perish. So today, Chris is going to share one such individual. I do know one guy in particular that I was just blown away when I first heard his story. And I've talked about this story a few times on tour over the years, and it's just oh, it's so powerful. So there is a man, and especially as a Christian, this story really speaks to me very clearly because sometimes as Christians, we're a little bit shy of like, oh, what's our role in government? You know, we're just Christians. We don't need to be standing up and um, we just need to tell others about Jesus, which is great. But this is a story kind of to contradict that um, that idea. So there was a man, his name was John Peter Muhlenberg, and he actually was a second generation um, American colonist at that point of history. And he was a pastor. He was actually a clergyman, and he was a clergyman down in Woodstock, Virginia. Well, he was elected to be on the House of Burgesses, which if you've ever been to Williamsburg, that is at the Capitol building. You would go through and you'd see where the legislators, kind of like our Congress today, got its early roots from the House of Burgesses. He was a member who made laws. And so he was a member who was making laws, and um, he actually was at uh-huh. the second Virginia convention in Richmond, Virginia in March of 1775 and heard a very famous speech where um, Patrick Henry actually said, give me liberty or give me death. Oh my gosh. One of the great stories. We'll have to talk about him at some point too. Love Patrick Henry. But John Muhlenberg, uh, John Peter Muhlenberg at that point was like, really took that call to action to heart. Fast forward into 1776, January 21st, he was giving a sermon at his church and he gave this powerful sermon and remember, like put yourself in the, in that spot in time of history, the pastor had to be a little bit elevated so that their voices would be heard throughout the whole congregation. You'd be sitting in, you know, very cold in Virginia. You'd be sitting in your pew with your family, uh, listening to your pastor that you've heard give sermon after sermon. And he'd be up there, every single clergyman, doesn't matter the denomination, Catholic, Baptist, Lutheran, they would all be wearing the same black cloaks, if you can imagine. So he was wearing this black cloak and gave this powerful sermon. He's standing above everyone, and he talks about Ecclesiastes 3. And a lot of us are familiar with those scriptures where it says, to everything there is a season, a time um, and a time and a purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. Well, he went on to say, In the language of the Holy Writ, there is a time for all things. There is a time to preach and a time to fight. And now is a time to fight. And as he marched down the aisle, he took off his black pastor's robes. And he had underneath him a militia, colonist, patriot uniform on. And at that point, he went out to the front of, you know, where most people think like, oh, let's just go have like a little chit chat after church. And like, maybe we'll just talk about where we're going to lunch. No, what he did was he signed up 300 patriots at that point to form the Virginia 8th Militia. This militia or this regiment actually went and, and they fought at Brandywine. He became a major general by the end of the war, of the Revolutionary War. 
So just a heroic stance, because remember, in the context, what he did was very illegal. Not only was he just like, hey, guys, like, come and join me, like, you know, whispering to his little friends. He was saying from the pulpit, so all of God and country could hear, it is time to fight. And that is pretty, that's exciting to me. And I don't know, Aaron, as a pastor, how do you feel about that story? And how do you feel that, you know, that kind of call to action? I mean, I would be very afraid to, I'd probably be like, eh. But what about you, Aaron, as a pastor, what would be your yeah. view? Oh, Chris, that, that sounds, what an amazing story and what a challenge, uh, because I think that, that we all <clears throat> uh, sometimes operate under, uh, you know, the the auspice of fear, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and fear can be a pretty... Um, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing thing uh, to combat. But I think that, uh, you know, knowing his story and knowing uh, just even the context is inspiring uh, because I think about the freedoms that, that I enjoy and about the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans. Uh, well, I know where our freedoms come from. You know, our freedoms don't come from government. Our freedoms don't come from those necessarily who rule over us, but the one who rules over us. Uh, and I believe that, that we, can, we can be inspired uh, as Christians to answer the call of whatever God calls us to. Uh, and that I think of that, you know, the verse, fear not for I am with you. Um, you know, we've been redeemed. We've been called. Uh, we've been called by name, and He knows us. So, uh, you know, those things overcome fear. And I look at that story, Krista, and He was able to overcome His fear uh, because He didn't hold His life so dear uh, that He wasn't willing to give it up. Yeah. And really quick, even to wrap up, His brother, who was also a pastor up in New York, wrote, and he he basically called him out and said, you shouldn't be doing this, that you're a pastor. Peter wrote him back to his brother, Frederick, and he said, you are a Tory sympathizer, which that was like, you know, swearing at someone almost in those times. And he said that you need to stand up. And Frederick did not until, until the British came over and took over New York, Manhattan, and they burned down Frederick's church. At that point, Frederick goes, oh, I think you're onto something. So he actually joined the cause at that point. Frederick went on to become the first Speaker of the House for all of Congress. You know how we have Nancy Pelosi as the Speaker of the House? The first person ever to do that is Frederick Muhlenberg. And I think it is just so fun too of going, you know, we can kind of change our tune. It's never too late to decide to fight for what's right. Even, you know, maybe we should, he should have done it before you could argue, but at that point, man, it's amazing. And Peter Muhlenberg is so important to American history that if you've ever been to the Capitol building in Statuary Hall, every state has sent two statues to honor people from their state that they feel have been so important to its history. And Peter Muhlenberg, is a son of Pennsylvania, even though he was a pastor in Virginia, he's sent from Pennsylvania where he was born and look for his statue or pull it up online. You will see that he has his statue depicts him with his pastor robes half on and his militia underneath. And I just think that that's just powerful. Every time I go to the Capitol, I try and look for that to remember, don't be afraid. If he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Krista. What an amazing story you just gave to us. And what a, what a, what a challenge uh, and a call to put our faith into action. Well, Corey, why don't you tell us uh, what's going on next week? Awesome. Well, next time, we've got way more fun adventures to take you guys on, more stories to tell, more 
coffee to drink. Um, and next time, we're going to be answering the question, what tradition established in Congress in 1787 is still practiced today? Every day, Congress begins its sessions. So tune in next time. Like and subscribe. Tell all your friends where they can find us. And in case you don't know where to find us, you can find us at axe-tours.com slash podcasts. So thanks for spending time with us, you guys. And don't miss next week's episode uh, as we go a little bit deeper behind the tour. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.